with the season wrapping up, we could take a look at who deserves the awards with only a handful of games left to play. And I give a pass to the son of one former Yankee MVP, but not to another Yankee former MVP. Did that sentence make sense? I don't know. Neither do you. This is a Locked On MLB, Locked On Diabacks crossover. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Locked On MLB, the Locked On MLB, Locked On Diamondbacks crossover for the third day of October 2022. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Look down there. Just call me Sully. Much easier to remember that. I'm an Emmy-nominated television producer. That's impressive. But I've also been podcasting for baseball for well over a decade. And guess what? We are just three days away from the end of the regular season, which would be my fourth as the host of the Lockdown MLB podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. But I do not do this show alone. On Mondays, right there, look at my Brady Bunch box. Look at that good-looking face. Look at that. Put a diaper on that face. Look at that baby face. That beard doesn't fool you. But uh, Miller Thomas of Locked on Diamondbacks joins me, and here we are to talk a little bit about the game. Hey, Miller, tell where do people follow you? Hey, you can follow me on Twitter, my personal account, CreatorThomas24 on there. You can follow the show account on Twitter and Instagram, Locked on Diamondbacks. Just look it up on the search, you know, a little search bar, those platforms. We're also on YouTube, Locked on Diamondbacks on there as well. And, of course, we're on all your podcasting platforms. Mm. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown and Movie Pods. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. And of course, follow us on all your podcasting catchers and on the YouTubes. Uh, the the games ended on Sunday, and uh, it is still a tie for the American League record for home runs in a single season. And that belongs to Aaron Judge and Roger Maris. So uh it's funny he he is at a little bit of a home run drought he didn't hit a home run against boston he didn't hit a home run this weekend soon which everyone on the planet after you know it looked like he could home run at will against pittsburgh he's hit one home run in the past couple of weeks the the one that tied maris up in um at in toronto but two series at yankee stadium and now the yankees go on the road so if he is indeed going to pass maris uh, it's going to be uh, a road game. Where were the? Oh, I got to check where the Yankees are going to be in Texas. Okay, he's going to hit a home run there because it's one. It's Texas. It's the Texas pitching staff. It's easy. I hit four home runs this year in Texas. Wow. But um, it's you know, but it isn't outrageous to think that maybe, just maybe, he doesn't hit a home run in the three game set, and then after all this, uh, Maris would still co-hold the record of most home runs part of me wants that to happen because there's definitely a combination of things that's happening right now i think aaron judge is definitely pressing a little bit because he knows he wants that record it's like steph curry last year when he was chasing the three-point record if you look at like his percentages and his three-point makes up until the record he was starting to be like really off and really not steph curry has same thing happening with aaron judge he was on this great home run pace the whole season the last couple of weeks he's not on that same pace i think he's pressing a little bit at the play and also you just look at how pitchers are pitching to him i know connor newcomb of locked on orioles likes to 
point out every Aaron Judge strikeout on Twitter. But also, if you look at Aaron Judge's OBP over the last couple weeks, his OBP over his last 12 games is like 570. And over his last six games, it's like above 600. So even though he still might be striking out, there's still a ton of walks in between that as well. So right now, just a combination of things for Judge during this home run chase. Is he pressing too much? Yes, they're also pitching to him differently. But I think the funniest thing right now is probably like when you watch the college football Saturdays, all the cutaways to Aaron Judge every time he's up at the plate. College football fans are not happy, Sully. They're not a big fan of all the Aaron Judge cutaways during his at-bats because I guess baseball is still not very cool in the eyes of football fans right now. Oh, cry me a river. Oh, you know, ESPN would cover football in the middle of the World Series, all right? Just, you know, deal with it, all right? Um, here's uh, here's uh, what I hear people complaining about how the pitchers are pitching to Aaron Judge. Um, maybe, just consider this, maybe some of those pitchers want to get Aaron Judge out or don't want to surrender a home run. Mm -hmm. You ever think that maybe some of these pitchers are pitching for their job next year and kind of don't want to see their ERA go up? You ever think that some of them might be taking, hmm, this guy's hit a bunch of home runs. Maybe I should pitch around him. Maybe I shouldn't try to let him beat me. And it's not the pitcher's job to be the green goblin and throwing a pumpkin up there for Aaron Judge to hit out of the ballpark. Like, they just played Baltimore. Baltimore's trying to finish above 500. Mm -hmm. Psychologically, what that means for that team to, to after all these 100 lost seasons, to turn a corner and finish this year with a winning season, which a grand total of nobody thought was going to happen this year, that some people thought they were going to improve, maybe like a 75-win team, because some of those players were certainly percolating their system. But... To, to finish this year with a winning record means a lot to the Orioles, you know, especially when you're trying to build on that as a foundation. And maybe for some of these Orioles players to be playing in the pressure cooker with all the cut-ins to the games, they know their eyeballs are going to be on them. Maybe, and I know this is an outlander's thought, maybe one of them doesn't want to be immortalized as the guy who coughs up the home run to Roger Maris. I'm sorry, to Aaron, to Aaron Judge. Whoops. Um, yeah, I mean, I – it's a strange thing that some of these players are actually trying to win the baseball games they're playing in. And that also is going to be true when they go to Arlington starting tomorrow, where a lot of players there, the Rangers stink, but some of them are going to be playing and thinking, all right, I'm, I'm on the spotlight is on me now. And maybe just maybe it'll be good for my career to pitch well right now. Yeah, because there seems to be this negative connotation uh, against the pitchers for pitching around Aaron Judge at this point in the season, which I don't get. But maybe if you are like a franchise like the Pittsburgh Pirates and you know you're out of it at this time of the year and you're going against New York Yankees, hey, maybe you do want to give up a meatball to Aaron Judge. And like you say, be immortalized, be in the record books, and at least be known for something this season. You know? I don't think people want to be remembered for that. I don't uh, know. I mean, maybe. I mean, I guess it's not a great dishonor to be the person to cough up the home run, but maybe there's an, oh, it ain't going to be me. Not going to be me. If you're a guy who's like, you know what? I'm probably not going to have a very long major league career anyway. At least I'm going to be the dude that gets known for giving up the home run to Aaron Judge. That's something I could put on my baseball plaque when I retire. Great. Yeah, you coughed up. Oh, that's what people want to be remembered for, losing. No, look at it. Aaron Judge has got to earn this. He strikes out a bunch in the last bunch of days, which shows that, guess what? He sees a few strikes. It's not the other pitcher's job to immortalize Aaron Judge. 
Do you, you feel know? differently about the season if he only ties the record and not actually breaks it? Well, yeah, because he didn't break it. Mm. Does it not feel as historical then? I think he stinks. <laughs> okay. No, he's, he's, it's a phenomenal. Is in and it's a it's a much better all round season than Maris had in sixty one. Uh, it's it's he's having a remarkable year, a historic year. So and does if, the... and if, if he doesn't if he doesn't hit a home run in the next three games in Arlington, he will still hold or share the record for the most home runs by an American leaguer in a single season. Who had that in the pool at the beginning of the year? Let me give you the ESPN first take question. Does the MVP ride on Aaron Judge breaking the home run record? No, no, it does not. Uh, I will get to the MVP uh, question in the second part, because I do want to go over everything here. I do want to bring up the fact that Roger Maris's son, Roger Maris Jr., has been going to the interwebs and saying that they have to find a way to sort of break down the home run record to sort of give the to create different categories for the home run record because you know he feels that there's a certain amount of cheating that went around that took away his father's yeah. record before. Fair. Um look at I'll give Roger Maris Jr. a pass. It's his dad. Mm-hmm. If, you know if my dad I love my dad may rest in peace. I love my dad to death. And if there was someone about to pass my father in the record books or something, I'd probably be very defensive about it too. So I, I give Roger Maris Jr. a pass because Aaron Judge is one swing away from making Roger Maris uh, a very obscure trivia question. Also, his dad caught a lot of flack. People weren't rooting for him. Yankee fans weren't rooting for him in 61. They were rooting for Mantle to pass him. They got a tremendous amount of crap because Mantle was the great Yankee hero who was supposed to pass Ruth. And Maris was a bit of a mercenary who they acquired from Kansas city by way of Cleveland. And it, no, 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 this is Mantle should do this, not Maris. And the two of them were neck and neck and neck and neck until Mantle got hurt. Surprise. And Maris passed him. And because the commissioner of baseball, Fort Frick was a huge Ruth guy. In fact, he, Ghost wrote his autobiography. Mm. Uh, he created the asterisk to put next to Roger Maris's record, which said, yes, he had 60 home runs, but he did it in 162 games, and Ruth is still the king. And so there was a lot of bitterness. And Maris had said his career would have been a lot more fun if he didn't hit the 61 home runs, if he just was a really good player, excellent defensive right fielder, who didn't have that one standout year. So I'm sure there was a lot of bitterness to how his dad had his home run record uh, in in 61, as opposed to the celebration of McGuire and Sosa, which and which, by the way, the Maris family followed them around and Maris hugged them. And there was all this love for the Maris family when did that. Suddenly he's throwing that to the garbage. And I don't know, I give I give Maris Jr. a break because of that history. But that being said, the single-season home run champion is Barry Bonds. I can prove it in a court of law. And I've used this analogy before. You may personally not acknowledge it. Like, I don't acknowledge the Star Wars prequels or the Exorcist sequels. 
but they're they're factually there. When I watch The Exorcist, I don't think, oh, then the sequel, that happens. No, in my mind, it didn't happen. But I can't say that Exorcist 2 didn't exist or the Star Wars prequels didn't exist. So you can acknowledge it or you can, it can mean nothing to you, but it's real. Bonds is the home run king. And guess what? If if Judge does it home run does it home run the next three games, his dad's still in the record book for most home runs by an American leaguer in a single season, and it's no small feat. So I give him a, a pass, but let's end all the nonsense about who's the home run king or this that or the other thing. Yeah, it's okay to say Bonds has the record, and the record might be a little tainted. I think it's okay if it's tainted because at that time. Everyone was tainted, and baseball allowed the taintedness. So let's start right there. And with Aaron Judge, I mean, well, let me go to Roger Maris, actually, because I feel bad for the son. Yes, you don't want Papa's record getting broken, because in all honesty, it's not like we're sitting around having Roger Maris conversations. Outside this home run chase for Aaron Judge, I quite literally haven't heard. I probably could count on one hand how many times I've heard Roger Maris's name in my lifetime, because not a lot of times we talk about Roger Maris. So I can see why the son doesn't want the record broken. But guess what? If Roger Maris didn't have this record, we would probably never talk about him ever in his career so at least he has something going for him in that standpoint and billy crystal directed a wonderful movie called 61 with an asterisk next to it oh did he about the home run champ home run chase it was an hbo film made in i think 2000 or 2001 i was so cynical when i saw it was being made that this is gonna stink and uh barry pepper who's a wonderful actor of saving private ryan a bunch of other films who looks exactly like roger maris and Thomas Jane, who's a wonderful actor, has been in a thousand movies, who looks exactly like Mickey Mantle, played the two of them. And I was I had my nose up at it as a vanity project for Billy Crystal. It's a great movie. It's a really great movie about the home run chase, about Maris and Mantle's friendship, about what was going on there. And even though I know what happened. I got involved. In this is kind of a lifelong Red Sox fan. By the end, I got a little tear in my eye when you see uh, Maris breaking the record. And and if you hadn't seen that film, it's about 20. It came out like 2000, 2001. And it's a it's a it's a pull your heartstrings film. But it's less about the record and more about the friendship the very unlikely friendship where Mickey Mantle was this hard partying, drinking, womanizing guy, and Roger Maris was this super straight-laced uh, Midwesterner who was new to the Yankees, relatively new to the Yankees. It was only his second year. Um, it's a really good movie. And wow. uh, you, you can't help, if there's any truth to it, uh, uh, you, you can't help but have a lot of love and sympathy and billy crystal this comedian was the director and he has a blink and you you blink and you miss it cameo in the film too yeah but, uh, the son is upset about the record maybe he could help make a sequel with aaron judge for the movie and keep his father's legacy tied toward the record sully i don't know i don't let know. me tell you if they made that it is a surefire bet that they will win the emmy award for that if you're going to make any bets go to betonline.net it's your number one source for football betting Info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information, with live betting, and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games, events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, 
and golf. Head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online, it's where the game starts. All right, I didn't mean to put a kibosh on your MVP discussion, but I want to talk about all the awards in segment two. So let's get right to the big one. Um, I think the fact that Judge has tied the record is enough to make the to make his case. I think the fact that his uh, his stat line on BaseballReference.com is just a full line of dark italic stats. Yeah. Um, uh, Shohei Otani is a very good pitcher and a very good hitter. Great. In in and Voltron that into the discussion of value. And do you want? I wish that whoever invented this award called it player of the year and not most valuable player, because it would have made this whole discussion a lot easier to do, but I digress. Um, It's a philosophical thing. And you and I have talked about it to death, which is what's more valuable, a great hitter or a very good pitcher and a very good hitter in the same body. And I don't think you, I don't think either argument's wrong. And I think it takes a historic season to wrestle it away from Shohei Otani, and that's what we've got. <laughs> so I, that's why I give it to Judge. But I do not, and this is not. This makes it sound like I'm trying to do a Johnny Cochran type rhyme here. Uh, I give it to Judge, but I do not begrudge uh, anyone who says Otani. Yeah, the crazy thing is, over the last ten years, we've made up all these stats that tell you how much more valuable one guy is over the next, and. All the value stats tell you, Aaron Judge, you look at War, he's the best player by far in War. You look at WRC+, he's the best player in that. He could potentially win the Triple Crown. He currently doesn't lead an average, I believe, but he could still win the Triple Crown. He's tied the AL record. Every stat you could want, Aaron Judge owns. He's on the team with the best run differential in the American League. And look, I love Shohei Otani. He's probably a top five hitter and pitcher, which is just absolutely insane. But I do feel like your team record matters a little bit. Like his manager was fired at one point. His team did lose like 20 straight games. I feel like all that matters. While Aaron Judge, his team has been phenomenal all season. I feel like that offense needs Aaron Judge. I feel like you can't just swap the two and you get the same results if you're the Yankees. You need every one of those 61 home runs from Aaron Judge because I don't think that offense is really that high octane without Aaron Judge in that lineup and all those, you know, power home runs and doubles he had throughout the season. So I feel like if Aaron Judge is on the Yankees and you swap the two, I feel like the Yankees probably aren't as good with Shohei Otani, uh, to be honest, even though a lot of people try to make that argument. I don't even like to do the hypothetical switch the two people argument because we don't live in that world, Sully. We don't. We can't live in the multiverse of madness like Doctor Strange. We can't do that, Sully. We only have this universe. So right now, with what we've seen from this year, I have to go with Aaron Judge over Shohei Otani for MVP. Yeah, and again, I for those of you who are throwing something at your uh, at the whatever you listen to me on, uh, keep in mind I'm not saying you're wrong if you decide to go with Otani. But here's one thing: I don't really like to look at the team record as much, but I will bring this up: when the Yankees were sputtering and they had that bad August that made people think, "Oh my God, are they going to blow the division lead? They're going to blow the division lead." What do you think Judge's OPS was in August? Probably still like 950, I bet. 1.091. Okay. even It was still over 1,000. When the Yankees were sputtering, he was still producing. Imagine if he went into a slump. They would have dropped those games. So not only was he 
the statistic, whether you like, if you like traditional stats, great. If you like new sabermetric stats, guess what? We got him for you too. And if you're looking about his effect on the team, if he sputtered at the same time the team sputtered, they probably would have fallen to second place. And so the fact that during the rough patch, he kept the team afloat and no one got to, uh, they never got to within two games of them, despite how they didn't even win. They won one single series in the month of August. I think that's correct. One or two. One or the, they, didn't, they didn't have a good August. Mm-hmm. But Judge continued to produce. Again, Otani is the MVP until proven otherwise, in my opinion. And I think Judge proved otherwise. Yeah. I think they're one, two. And I think that any, if you said Otani, I'd say, okay, I totally understand. I don't think it's going to be unanimous. I don't. No. But I think that, I think Judge had the type of year that uh, will would would make that, make that exception and as always for me personally i have the coen brothers rule if you've already won an award i'm not going to weep if you don't win multiple awards yeah so. from just from the twitter community vibe it seems like most people are riding with otani for mvp but i do feel like there's also a value in a guy being six seven playing right field with a cannon being able to throw out pretty much anybody on the base yeah. and being from right field and being able to throw it all the way home on a rope on a dime like that's a different level of value too because Otani does limit your lineup construction. Like, I'm not saying like having Otani in the lineup is a bad thing because he's one of the best players in baseball, of course, even from just a batting perspective. But he does limit what you can do in your lineup because he has to play the DH and he's not going to go out there and play the field. So, does Otani get the consolation prize known as the Cy Young Award? You could make a case for Otani being the Cy Young Award winner. Uh, and let me just, and, and you could do that using. Uh, you, know, you can use new fat. You can use, uh, you, you use? know, the metrics world. He's top mm. three war. Uh, if you, if you want to use more traditional stats, he's number four in the league in earned run average. Um, he's, he's in almost every major category walks and hits printing pitch hits per uh, hits per innings pitched. Um, you know, he leads the league in strikeouts per nine innings. If you still like wins, here's where I'm, I'm not a big, huge fan of using wins as a metric because so many factors go into it. But I will point out that he's two wins behind the league leader and he's doing it on a garbage team. Mm. The fact that the team has a losing record and he is only two wins behind the person who's going to lead the league in victories uh, almost makes me want to use that stat. Now, I personally, I don't know if I give it to Otani. Um, I think right now, my top three, Otani makes my top three. Mm. But uh, Verlander, I have on there. Um, and you got to, and, and the one I'm leaning towards is Alec Manoa of Toronto, who is, you know, and is only his second year. I, I put a lot, a lot, a lot, of uh value on innings pitched and the fact that he leads the league in innings pitched he almost has 200 innings pitched um has a super low era has a great uh strikeout to walk ratio uh and is the ace of a team that is a playoff team alec manoa is my pick to win he would be who i would vote for uh as american league cy young award winner 
Wow. I would still probably go with Justin Verlander because I still feel like he's been the most dominant guy in the American League this year. I'm not confident in Otani even cracking the top five in Cy Young voting this season because the American League is going to be very tough. I have number two and number three pretty much tied. I have Manoa and Dylan Cease because I feel like Cease, Manoa pretty much have had like the same season this year. They've both been super dominant right next to each other in ERA. And then Otani, he's been super dominant this year, but the innings pitch is always going to be a killer for like you just mentioned, you love how Manoa has you love how Manoa has led the league in innings pitch has been a workhorse. Otani is a workhorse on the day he pitches. The thing is, he can't pitch every five days like a normal guy because he has to also be in the lineup hitting you 40 plus home runs and driving in 100 plus RBIs throughout the season. So I don't think Otani might, uh, he could crack the top five in Cy Young voting. I don't think he'll crack the top three because you also got a guy in Framber Valdez in the Houston Astros who will probably be number four or five. He set the major league record, I think, this season for consecutive quality starts in a given year. So the American League Cy Young voting. The last two seasons has been super stacked. The candidates in the race, and I think it's just going to be another stacked year. Um, we look at that. Well, actually, I take that back. Last year, I don't think it was that stacked, but this year, I think the American League Cy Young race is very stacked. Okay, the American League Rookie of the Year, I think, is pretty cut and dry. Um, uh, I, I, in Julio Rodriguez, what he's done, um, you know, I mean, there, he's just been such. I mean, Adley Rutschman mm-hmm. has been a great addition to the Orioles. Uh, George Kirby's done a fine job with Seattle, but the Mariners' season turned around when Rodriguez showed up. They're a different team with him. And, in fact, there any uh, forecast of Seattle's chances in the postseason rests solely on Julio Rodriguez's shoulders. He's already become that type of a player. Uh, and I think that he, for me, he is just, I think he's maybe the unanimous uh, rookie of the year in the American League. Yeah, I think it's more of a conversation for who should be runner-up in third in the American League voting because I had a tough time figuring out who should be decided after Julio because I think it's runaway with Julio, Mm -hmm. near 30-30 season, all-star, put up a phenomenal show in the home run derby. It's just been a fantastic season from start to finish uh, from Julio Rodriguez. But for like runner-up, I got maybe a Joe Ryan from the Minnesota Twins. He's had a very phenomenal, maybe not phenomenal, but a very good season. He's a solid solid player, solid Solid rookie year. Yeah, solid rookie year. Bobby Wood. Junior, not a great Royals team, but he had a near 30-30 season, just solid numbers across the board. Even got like George Kirby, not a ton of innings pitch, but still very solid numbers across the board. So there was a lot of good rookies in the American League, maybe not great rookies like Julio Rodriguez. Yeah, and there's only one great one. Um, manager of the year. This is an interesting one mm-hmm. because um, uh, tell me who you think the manager of the year is because I have. I think I know I, who you I, might pick. I have two choices, but uh, tell me, I have one, I have one winner, uh, but both my one and two are former manager of the years. Yeah, I'll tell you who I think it is, and I'll tell you who I think you're going to pick. I okay. think it would be Scott Service. Is that how you say his last name? Service? Yeah, Service, yep. Service, yeah, of the Seattle Mariners. Just because if you're the manager of the team that breaks the drought for longest playoff drought in sports history i think you just have to win manager of the year i think it just has to be a given so there's not even a lot of analysis there he broke the playoff drought you're getting Mm -hmm. the award dude but i think for you sully i think you're gonna go with the former red sox great tito of the cleveland guardians to win manager of the year because he's had a great season the guardians have been won that division in a while he's dealt with health issues the last couple of years he's come back strong this year he's been there the whole season and it could be his final year because of those health issues so i think for all those reasons you're picking tito um 
I almost picked Dusty because this is Dusty's team. And they lost Correa. They were, you know, this was a team that people were thinking was probably maybe on the way down. And they had a 100-win season. Now, Dusty's won the manager of the year several times. Uh, This is now Dusty's team. This is no longer they inserted Dusty into it because of the the S storm that happened post uh, trash can gate. This is his team now. Um, and I think he's done a fabulous job, but it has to be Frank Kona for this reason. Oh, this, this is a team. They're, they, they're a 90 win team. This is a legit playoff team. They are not only younger than any team in baseball. They have younger than any team in AAA. This is a bunch of young kids. This is a bottom five payroll team. You know, they're paid like they're the Marlins or the Pirates. Mm. And if you take a look at this team, the way that they were put in a situation that the the day before Labor Day, Minnesota caught them. And so they looked at and said, oh, man, we have the rest of the month. We are neck and neck with Minnesota and Chicago only a game or so behind. And what did they do? They kicked the snot out of everybody. They played nine games against the Twins and won eight of them. They smacked around the White Sox. They ran away with the division. And the fact that he got that young team to believe in itself, to face that adversity, and to do so without an MVP candidate, without a Cy Young candidate, with just a bunch of young kids running first or third, and you you have the former Cy Young Award winner Shane Bieber had a terrific second half, you had the all-star Jose Ramirez is still a very, very good player. But you got the Steven Kwans and the Ahmed Rosarios and the, you know, and uh, the Jimenez's and the Ramirez's mm. and the Gonzalez's of the world. I meant to say Gonzalez instead of Ramirez. Who just sort of like, you got these guys. Who is this guy? I don't know, but he went first to third on a single. And that he did that. And this team is a dangerous team going into the postseason because, A, they're healthy. B, they have the best bullpen in the American League and certainly the best closer in the American League with Class A. They will drive a team bananas with their speed, and they have a pitching that could match up well with the Yankees. I don't think the Cleveland Guardians are going to the World Series. I'm beginning to think it's going to be Houston. But uh, the fact that he's doing all of this with this team, to me, this is Francona's award. Yeah, you got to love Tito because he's a force multiplier. He's like the Tom Brady of managers. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need elite weapons. He doesn't need elite players. He's maximizing the talent of everyone on his roster. Like you just mentioned, you go up and down the lineup. It's not a lot of elite talent there. Jose Ramirez is great. But outside of that, he's getting a lot of career seasons, a lot of rookie talent, really um, playing above maybe expectation levels that we had for them coming into the year. So Tito, he just does that. You're getting the most out of your rotation with the McKenzie's and the Shane Bieber's who we've seen be great in the past, but never over the course of a full season. So he's pushing all the right buttons and he's maximizing the talent on his roster. That's what Tito has always been able to do. And it's one of the reasons why he's going to make the Hall of Fame one day as a manager. All right, let's talk about the National League. Hmm. Um, your buddy Goldschmidt looked like a lock for a while. Um, it still be, and uh, I, you know what? I I still wow. would vote for him. He's still my pick, but Arenado and Freddie Freeman are both two guys who deserve a lot of. They're uh, cool. it, It's pretty close, and I w- I could listen to arguments for Nolan Arenado. For Freddie Freeman or for Goldschmidt, I would lean towards Goldschmidt, 
Um, but uh, again, I, I I don't think you can go wrong with anyone. I think none of them are having the dominating season the way judges. So they're all having MVP caliber seasons. So it just kind of leans on your own personal taste. I would go Goldschmidt, but I would have no issue if someone voted for Arenado. I, those are your top three right there. Arenado, Freeman, and Goldschmidt. And I think it's it's Pickham. I actually don't have Arenado in my top three. It's very close, but I was like, if I'm going to have – I felt like I couldn't have two players from the same team in my top three. Even though for war, I do believe Goldschmidt and Arenado actually tied for war. But I do feel like Arna, uh, I do feel like Goldie has had a slightly more well-rounded mm-hmm. offensive season. At one point, we felt like he was going to win the Triple Crown. Obviously, he's not. Freddie Freeman quietly has 13 stolen bases this year. He's double-digit steals, which is just amazing for a guy who's in his early 30s and more of a lumberjack kind of a dude, more of a plotter on the bases than a speedster. But another dude who I have in my top three, I still have Manny Machado in my top three. He still has a fantastic stat line. I know Juan Soto's there now, but he had to carry that offense so much throughout the season. It looks like the Padres are going to make the postseason. They were able to kind of really lock in on that second wild card spot and kind of pull away as the Phillies were starting to come back to the pack. And I think when you look at that offense, Manny Machado has been the driving force the whole year. And I, I can't put Freddie Freeman as high as one or two just because he's on the Dodgers. That team is so stacked. I just feel bad giving a, a guy an MVP award to a team that's full of MVPs. I just feel like that kind of goes against the spirit of the award a little bit, in my opinion. So that's why I'll put guys like Machado and Goldschmidt ahead of Freddie Freeman. All fair. All fair. This is this one. Uh, one that I don't think there's any uh, uh, discussion on. The only discussion I have is the middle finger I'm going to give to the organization he plays for. Uh, the Marlins have Sandy Alcantara, who mm-hmm. should be the unanimous Cy Young Award winner. I mean, are we, we, we're safe with that one? We're saying he's Cy Young, but actually looking throughout the stats again, it's a little bit closer. It, it He's come back to the pack a little bit. The stats oh, might be a little bit closer than you think. Oh, please. Oh, please. Okay. The innings pitch oh. he's killed, but the, the, he's not mer- running away with overall oh, stats. Who else you got? Who else you got? I mean, Zach Gallen, he's going to be in there. Who nah, okay, you got to sneak in the diamond back. Who else? Who else? You got to bring Max in uh, Madison, nice Madison Bumgarner. You got to make give him a I mean, Zach Gallen only had one of the longest uh, scoreless streaks of all time in Major League history, 44 and a third. We went over a month without seeing Zach Gallen give up an earned run, Sully. That's got to matter for something. Year. He also leads the year. league in whip and hits per nine, and he's also top five in strikeouts. He's he's gonna be top three in every stat, so he's sure, gonna be number two, three, number two, top three. Number Sandy's two definitely three. it. I'm not saying Sandy's not it, but he's a little bit closer than what we once thought. Maybe he shouldn't be unanimous. Maybe you give one vote to somebody else, just so it's like a 99% share for Sandy. That's my only point. The thing that oh. makes me angry is that the Marlins are gonna sit him. He's he's done, and he has one more start, and it's against Atlanta. And nope. that could mean something. That could mean the difference between Atlanta going to the division series or having to play in the wild card series. And look at if you clinch, like if you're Cleveland, you're New York, you're Seattle, you could do whatever you want. You've earned the right to sit or do anything you want. But if you if you are having a meaningless game for your team, but it could have meaning to the pennant race and the actual how you're going to unfold the postseason then you've got to play your best players for the integrity of the game. I just, I, I have no the integrity. Well, you know, it's like, Oh, the, the Marlins are not going to throw their Cy Young award winner. Why? Well, we want to give him one day extra rest. 
And that could be the difference between the, you know, if if the Braves and the Mets are tied going into the last game of the season, and that's the difference between the Mets going to the division series or the Mets having to burn DeGrom and Scherzer in the in a wild card series. I'm sorry, you gotta throw your best pitcher. Well, if they're doing it to evaluate one of their own young starters, what if they're oh, doing stop it. Stop it. This is not <laughs> spring training. No, we can't see. You one got of those a Cy Young. He pitched this week. He well, did great against Milwaukee. Milwaukee won the game, but he threw a complete game. They had to beat him. They had to beat their best. Now, if Atlanta beats Alcantara, then you tip your hat to the Braves. Say, hey, you pit, you put your best on, you beat them. But if you don't play your best, what to give them three days extra rest? Maybe they're before protecting- the off season. Maybe they're protecting Sandy's Cy Young candidacy and making sure he's not giving up eight runs and two innings. Oh, Zach Gallen's right yeah. on his heels. Exactly. All of a sudden, Zach Gallen's taking over in the Cy Young race because you have a terrible start against the Braves, and now your ERA is blown up. I see what you're doing, Miami Marlins. You see Zach Gallen's coming for you, and you're trying to slow down that train. Very respectable, Miami. All right, I'm, I'm respectable. mad. I'm mad. Okay, let's move right on. Uh, right. The one thing that's absolutely a given, the National Rookie of the Year is going to be a member of the Atlanta Braves. Yeah. Uh, the only question is, will it be Michael Harris or will it be Spencer Strider? Yep. I think either one is fine. They're mm-hmm. both. They both have wonderful. I I would personally give it to Strider because I, you know, what he has done to give the Atlanta Braves pitching staff a, an extra amount of depth, especially with some of the injuries they've had to their bullpen, to have that extra depth in their rotation, I think is one of the reasons why they're going to be a hundred win team. Um, and maybe win the division, maybe repeat as World Series champions. Uh, but Michael Harris, the second, much better than the first, uh, is uh, been a great player. And so I think either one of them, I'm fine with either one of them. Yeah, I'll probably lean Strider because he has over 200 strikeouts and like 130 innings pitch. Like yeah. this guy could potentially be the next 300K strikeout guy in a season. He set the Braves, I think franchise record for strikeouts in a single game because I think he has 17 strikeouts in one game earlier this year. Michael Harris has been phenomenal as well this season, but I'll give to Spencer Strider. But once again, Sully, I think the real thing that you're watching out for in this race is who's going to finish third. I think third in the rookie of the year voting is actually going to go to another Diamondback, another top three award guy, Jake McCarthy, who's batting over 290 above 800 OPS with 20 plus stolen bases in like only 100 games this year. Jake McCarthy deserves third in the NL rookie of the year voting. I have, I have no problem with that. All right. There you um, go. Now let's go to the manager of the year because right up until recently, I thought this was a lock for Buck Showalter. Mm-hmm. especially when he had him in first place without DeGrom and Scherzer. Now he has him not in first place with DeGrom and Scherzer. Um, I, you know, I mean, look, they're going to win 100-some-odd games, I assume. Uh, I assume they're going to, you know, break 100 wins. Um, but who else do you pick on that? I mean, the you could go Bob Melvin, like, who could win – the manager of the year with his third different team when you consider the injuries and the suspensions on that club and that they'll, you know, that they'll going to make the playoffs. Um, uh, Do you give any love to Dave Roberts as the 110 win Dodger team? No, No, none for him. Not when you have 10. Um, No. All right. Well then, then I'll tell you who I'm giving it to then. Uh Oh, Um, I'm going to give it to Snicker. Hmm. You know, I mean, they got off to the the clumsy start. 
and uh, you know he has them. They they were dead in the water, and uh, you know he's already won a manager of the year. But uh, you know this is a this is going to be his greatest regular season, whether they win the division or not. He already has the most of, of any uh, regular season victories, and uh, you know I, I, I lean towards him. I can't hate that. I'm going to put Snickers second on my list because I'm going to go with the guy who you mentioned to start off and Buck Showalter just because he turned around a cursed franchise. There's been a lot of years we come into a season with expectations for the Mets and usually they go nowhere near those expectations. But Buck Showalter was able to possibly exceed those expectations so far, at least through the regular season, a revolving door of players throughout the year, a lot of injuries in that lineup and rotation. So I felt like he's done a great job managing that team. I will have Brian Snicker um, second on my list. He's been phenomenal. The Braves had that slow start, able to turn it around. Now they might win the division, but they were already a pretty good team last year. I mean, they're they're the reigning World Series champions. I was going to say, go, go out on a limb yeah. there. They were a pretty yeah. good team. They won the World Series. Yeah, and there were some question marks coming into the year with the whole Freddie Freeman, and they trade for Matt Olson and then Ronald Acuna. There's always like weird stuff with him and the team, it seems like. So there was some question marks and some controversy they didn't miss, the they didn't miss the beat so they look phenomenal i think third on my list i actually got a guy first year manager this season he's took over for a guy who probably shouldn't have even been fired last year after winning 90 games with his team but oliver marmol why not give him third in the manager of the year voting for the st louis cardinals they won the division i mean if you're gonna bring in a new manager your team won more games and you clinched the division i mean what more could you have wanted as the cardinals franchise from your new manager so he needs to get some love and I will just say, I, I'm giving some love to Dave Roberts mm-hmm. because it's one thing to have a huge budget and tons of expectations. It's another thing to meet them. It's another thing to be given all this where, you know, you have to be brilliant or you're a failure. He's won over 110 games with this club. It's the greatest regular season in the history of the Dodgers. So sometimes when we've seen so many times there have been teams that are big budgeted, that are filled with stars, that they fall short. How about giving credit when someone doesn't fall short? You know? Now, again, Cohen Brothers rule. Dave Roberts has already won the manager of the year. So I can't sit here and go like, it's, it's you know, it's unfair. No, it, I understand why you wouldn't. Well, he's supposed to do that. He's supposed to do that. Well, guess what? He did. He was supposed to, and he did. And in the last in the last uh, five full seasons, not counting the COVID years, his last five full seasons, his team has won 104 or more games every year, except for one. And then, of course, the COVID year, they won the World Series. Yeah. So I I have no compunction saying that I think that he deserves credit for saying, "Hey, we put this team. What are you going to do? I don't know. Give you the best team you ever saw." So I I don't think. You know, I've seen plenty of times where there have been teams that are, oh, this is a super team that, this is a super team this, that fall on their face. And they lost Walker Bueller. They lost Tony Gonsolin. And they were in a division with another legit playoff team with the Padres who are going to make the playoffs, and it's not even close. So yeah. give, you've got to give a little bit of love for that. We could give him a little bit of love. We could. I, I don't. Let's not give him too much love because look, he's he's had the super team for a while now. Maybe if it was his first year 
building this super team. You added all these players in the offseason, but it's been a bit it's been a pretty consistent super team for a while there now. So I'm not all too right. surprised that they won another hundred plus games in the season. All right, we've gone way over here. I've given us too much love. So Miller Thomas, tell people where people could follow your podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Career Thomas24 for my personal account. Look up Locked on Dimebacks on Twitter and Instagram. We're on YouTube, Locked on Dimebacks on there as well. And of course, we're on all your podcasting platforms. You can follow us at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. And the show is at Locked on MLB Pods, both Twitter and Instagram. Yelling at each other, disagreeing, and giving Roger Maris' son a break. This has been the Locked on MLB, Locked on Diamondbacks crossover for the third day of October 2022. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. That's Miller Thomas. Call me son. Let's fist pump. Boom.